Dear listeners, Sairam and greetings from Prashanti Nilayam. Welcome to our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This is a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12.30pm Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia's stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion is on the Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 15th May 2014. Have a listen please. Sairam dear listeners and welcome to this week's segment of afternoon satsang and as per our schedule we are going to progress into the next part of the nectarine sweet story of lord shri rama the ramakatha rasavahini shri raghavam dasharatatmajam prame fantastic i feel in the body it's really so wonderful but you know all this pilgrimage and all this visit to different places just come and reinforce one very most important message to me almost every year and that is what a privilege and joy it is to have known swami 
to be able to love him to be able to receive his love and to be able to live for him it is really a great privilege and a great honor and all of us should celebrate every moment of our lives for we have known swami that was what was uppermost in my mind having said that coming to the ramakatha rasavahini you know we began with this shloka shri raghavam right i cannot but help think of how many times swami must have heard this i think at least about 2 uh, to 3000 times right i mean this shri raghunandana bhajan with this alap it used to be a kind of all time favorite and uh, swami would look and he would indicate with one word he would say slokam slokam means it has to be this bhajan with this alap and there have been different singers who were anointed or appointed to sing this bhajan the singers changed the times changed but apparently nothing changed in swami's love for this particular bhajan and if you see you know swami has done summer course on ramayana on the story of rama and this bhajan we already spoke about and during ram navami in detail you know the way swami has explored rama's life in fact this is the only vahini i think that has been written in two parts the ram katha rasa vahini it reminds me of what is said that one can always follow krishna's words lord krishna's teachings follow krishna's words and follow lord rama's actions i wish to start off today satsang with this thought you know that we should follow lord krishna's words and lord rama's actions having spent some time contemplating on this this is something that i have arrived at and let me share it with you and all our listeners okay see if we look at the way the balance of good and bad exists in the universe when we look at the dashavatars starting from matsya through kurma varaha narahari uh, vamana narasimha parashurama rama krishna coming till our own purnavatar shri satyasai in the beginning it was almost as if there are some isolated or stray incidents of negativity or evil and so the lord did not take an avatar in sense of having a birth a growth and then reaching adulthood and then accomplishing the task and going they were all amshavatars right matsya kurma varaha narasimha they all arrived at one particular moment the moment of reckoning when action needed to be taken and having taken the action that was the end of the avatar the first sort of a purna avatar where the lord takes birth goes through childhood and basically gives us a beautiful story to live and relive it starts with rama avatar in the rama avatar we see that you know the good and bad is clearly segregated there is one dynasty that is bad there is one dynasty that is good so the lord had to take birth in the good dynasty and go and destroy the bad dynasty that's all it was so rama took birth in the lineage of raghu and he destroys the rakshasas who were being ruled by ravana then we come to the krishna avatar times now here things got a little more complicated they were good and bad within the same family in the kuru family which was the ruling race at that time from hastinapura there were the good the dharmic and the adharmic and so now krishna had a little tougher time you know if we take it that way because he had to first segregate within the same family the good and bad if we see the kaurava war that's what happens even from among the kauravas a few people joined the pandavas before the war and you know again there had to be in the lord's own family among the yadavas themselves some had to be destroyed some had to be protected so krishna had a tougher time so he had to segregate the good and bad within the family and then destroy okay. you know and i feel that is the reason why they say don't follow krishna's actions because unless you are in that krishna tatva you are lost in that beauty and wisdom of the lord you will not be able to appreciate it will appear as if there are so many discrepancies and that is what has happened also you know when people skim at the surface they think that krishna himself did adharmic things and what do you say for this that is why it is said don't follow the actions of krishna just follow his words and you know i was thinking further along these lines and now when we look at kali yuga it has got even more complicated because the good and bad exists within the same individual 
it is so tough and uh, no wonder swami said that this time the avatar has come armed with the weapon of love because if he has to destroy the bad people as such it will result in <laughs> mass scale destruction and there will be nobody alive and so therefore it is even more complicated this line of thought when i was thinking i just felt that if it is said don't try to understand the actions of krishna and try to follow it because it's too complicated then what can be said about the actions of our dear lord swami when we try to explain him when we try to think why swami is doing this why swami is doing that how futile it is because situation is so much more complicated you don't have a good individual and a bad individual the same individual is good at times and in circumstances and he is bad in times and circumstances so when we go on such pilgrimages as i said coming back to the opening thoughts you get to know so much about these avatars previous avatars and you see the admiration you see the devotion and then you realize how much more devotion we should have towards our dear swami for having taken up such a such a such a complicated task and having done it so beautifully and apparently so effortlessly so as i said studying more of rama's life or krishna's life only makes me grow more and more in love devotion and wonder of our dear swami's life very beautiful and what you said kind of reminds me of what i've heard from a person about comparison of rama krishna and swami hmm. very often we've spoken about this before rama is referred to as atma rama because hmm. if you look at rama's life i think a part of it we will even dwell upon today it is a journey of a sadhaka literally hmm. you know when the soul goes out to reveal itself to discover itself the process that a person goes through hmm. that is what we really see in the life of lord rama So that is why it is said that it is always good to follow the life of Rama mm. because that is why the life of Rama itself is supposed to be an example. What Rama said throughout is uh, something which is you know in pockets we understand. Swami always quotes what he said before the war, what he said when Vibhishna came to him. You know there are moments of idealism, but in general his life itself can be followed because it is the life of a sincere aspirant till the final uh, you know revelation of his inner divinity comes. That is why you can follow Rama. And when you come to Krishna, Krishna is the expression of a realization. soul hmm. that is why krishna's avatar is referred to as the nyana avatar hmm. so rama's is dharma avatar and krishna's is supposed to be nyana avatar the one who has attained this realization you can never pin him down to his actions you know you cannot say why he did this he says this he did this you know the actions of a realized soul are so erratic that you can, it's very difficult to understand the actions that is why it is said don't follow the actions of krishna because it is the expression of one who has attained perfection and that can confuse you if you want to literally follow so that's what unless you attain right, that perfection you attain that perfection it is very difficult to understand why krishna did this why he said that and why he made others do that so it is very complex. coming to swami and you really nailed it when you said that you know swami had to equip himself with the armory of love because swami's is that of prema avatar and when you talk of love it becomes even more obscure where even more difficult because as it is said everything is fair in love and war and when swami does everything with that love it becomes even more difficult to understand his actions hmm. because the only thing which you can at the end of the day say is swami did this out of his love that will be the only correct thing you can tell about swami if you go into the details of why he did this why he set up the ashram why he did this to in such a person and why you put this person we will only get more and more complicated the final underlying principle is swami did it out of his love everything else is mere speculation right. and imagination so i putting it should i say in jargons hmm. the life of rama was that of a dharma avatar life of krishna was that of a nyana avatar 
and life of adya swami is that of a prema avatar beautifully put prem <laughs> and uh, so therefore it is so beautiful that you know before this we had taken satyam shyam sundaram we enjoyed the life of the prema avatar and now that we have taken ramkatha rasavahini it is a little more simpler if we can say in terms of action it makes things little more easier for us because it directly says that we can follow the actions of rama so why not dive straight into rama's story and look at all the things that he did and the way he conducted his life so that we can directly derive inspiration from that and put it into practice in our own lives i think we had stopped at the point when the princes have been sent for education right. to vashishta right right they've been named and we spoke about how the naming ceremony happened and how that natural pairing happened of rama and lakshmana and bharata and shatrughna and all that we are at the point where they are about to embark on their education yeah even when they went to their preceptor that is vashishta for education this was for education into learning and you know fine arts the vedas the shastras the scriptures basically because the vedas are apaurushaya they have come directly from god and there is no composer for the vedas that is why the sages who wrote them down are called mantra drashtaras meaning those who saw the hymns it is not as if they composed it it just appeared before them so it is apaurushaya meaning having no single author it has come directly from the lord and these were texts that had to be imparted to every child and therefore for the first few years after they turned 6 you know in the current day it would be first grade second grade that is when up to the primary and middle schooling they would be taken over to their preceptor's place the gurukula system of education you know at this point it just becomes like very very valid digression to speak on how beautiful this gurukula system of education is because you know when rama lakshmana bharata shatrughna they go they go and stay with their guru that is vashishta they stay and so it is not as if the only time they see their teacher is in their classroom they have nothing like a classroom because everything becomes a classroom which justifies this period as a learning period because this is the period where you learn from everything uh, the hermitage from morning waking up at sunrise till you go to bed after sunset at night you are with the guru you learn not only from his words but also from his actions and that is what began when rama and his brothers went to the hermitage of vashishta and the interesting thing about these gurukulas is as you were saying you know they are supposed to leave their princely life in the palace and then go in live in the gurukula as just another student mm. very similar to what swami did in his education institutions you know one of the things which we have always noticed is this habit of wearing whites one of the ideas behind it is that you know you shed your differences of who is more wealthy or who is coming from a more affluent family affluent family you know that is taken away when you bring this common code of in fact even in schools the reason why you have a uniform, uniform is that is the thing but here swami you know continued it even when you're doing your phd also you're wearing the same uniform you know that barrier is gone you don't know which person comes from which region you don't know which person comes from a affluent family or a poor family Th- those differences are removed in that stage of development and that was an important thing which was achieved through that gurukula system and you know speaking about the white dress there are other things also which emphasize the same thing for example all of us in the hostel irrespective of what we can afford we eat the same food if we feel that the food i don't think i can get such kind of food at home because i am coming from a poor background i get this 
it's not as if because i have never had such things i will not be given that at the same time if i feel that you know i can have dishes that are delicacies that are 10 times more grand than what is being given here no you're not allowed you still have to have this again the common kitchen and i can go on and on you know there are other things like the self reliance activities that we had in our hostel you have to be a contributing member of the society that is what happened even in the gurukula you know the brothers and the others who had come all the students had to take up the activities at the hermitage everybody would be involved in cleaning the hermitage in maintaining the garden growing the food and you know even if it meant begging for the food whether you are a king whether you are a pauper everybody had to take their turns to do all the activities and it was literally like one family where all the happinesses are shared all the sorrows are shared the ups are shared the downs are shared so totally this kind of you know discrimination distinction is wiped out you really experience the brotherhood of man and the fatherhood of god right and uh, unlike in, in the current days there is no question of you going on for a vacation and all that you look at all these things it is for that period of time you go and stay in the ashram you don't even have a break you don't go for a two month summer vacation or anything mm. and i think that is when once in a while the king was allowed to come and visit the wards and inquire from the master about their well being and their progress i think that is how dashar that happened to come to the ashram after a few years exactly and you know i'm just going back a little bit even in the ashram you know this pairing that we spoke about between rama and lakshmana and bharata shatrugna that happened to be seen you know rama was an excellent student and uh, no prizes for guessing why uh, the avatar and the way he progressed the way he progressed in the chanting of vedas picking up vedas the guru vashishta felt almost as if you know rama knows everything he doesn't need me to teach him he almost seems to be having the knowledge beforehand itself and so uh, swami writes in the ramkatha rasavani so beautifully that vashishta felt that rama is a super fast student and uh, he needs to be given special attention because he can progress much faster and so rama was in a special category bharata shatrugna and lakshmana were in the next category so it is like they are given the same but since he's grasping power as more why not feed him with more that was the idea but then uh, vashishta notices that strangely bharata lakshmana and shatrugna are falling behind in their studies he wonders what is it that is happening and then he sees that they are very sad why are they sad they are sad at being separated from rama and uh, that is when lakshmana tells uh, vashishta that sir please i don't know what it is but we would like to be with rama always please don't separate us from rama because if we are separated from rama all this holds no meaning for us rama is what is most important and so please let us be with rama irrespective of what happens and it is after that that vashishta brings back all the four brothers together and when i was reading this it just struck me as to how important it is that even when we are getting our education when we are going through our schooling or our college university education our focus must be rama you know in the sense as swami puts it there are two vidya that is uh, adhyatma vidya and there is the worldly education that we need worldly education is for a living the true atma vidya is for is educare it is for life, life right. so i feel rama represents educare the rama divinity he is the true essence of life it is such a beautiful example for us in this story you know it's another metaphor to show how students how we should conduct ourselves during our studying days that our focus should always be rama if we are given skills and talents and if we are imparted education keeping rama away 
it is not wholesome education and we should never be satisfied because education becomes complete only if god is part of the education if values are part of the education if atma vidya what swami stresses higher learning is part of education so therefore whether we are parents or whether we are students learning we should keep this in mind that education becomes wholesome and complete only when it has this atma vidya component rama component to it and you know one more beautiful way swami puts it in that chapter in ramkatha swami he says uh, when vasishta starts teaching rama swami says that he actually witnesses that scene of education swami says that whatever teaching is done is to bring out the knowledge from within hmm. vasishta is surprised by the gush of knowledge from rama because he's he's not repeating like somebody who is learning those mantras but he's telling it as the one who is the source of all those mantras and you know the joy which the guru feels when seeing a disciple like that who realizes the perfection of teaching itself because when you teach your only as swami always said it's educate it's bringing out from within when he's teaching rama he's feeling that joy of seeing that perfect student who is able to mine out that knowledge so easily and it's a fulfilling experience even for vasishta that's how swami puts it and you know that's a very important thing because swami always emphasizes when he speaks about education remember that you are only bringing out from within and all your education should aim at bringing out those values from within you know you are equipping with skills that is definitely important but don't get so lost in that you know bringing those skills into the student that you forget what you're doing is to bring out the divinity from within beautiful another interesting aspect here though it is not explicitly mentioned in the ramkatha rasavahini mm-hmm. if we just study it slowly we realize is the great sacrifice that dasharatha and the parents did it is very very exemplary and it is something that all the you know the parents can learn from you see dasharatha was the emperor he was a supreme emperor he could have you know he could have built a palace for rama to study and he had great love for all the four of his sons he loved them dearly they were the apple of his eyes and yet yet he understood the need for him to keep out of the education you know we often see this happening we feel that we express our love for our children by pampering them because we can afford to we do not realize that we are actually hindering their actual education where they have to learn equality they have to learn their oneness with everyone else how many problems arise in class because i am speaking especially when we see day scholars when we see students going to the class some people have a very very posh pencil box geometry box a school bag labels on the books they are so posh and they are so fantastic they are so alluring the other children feel left out see it is not that i express my love for my child i love my child so therefore i can afford it it is well within my reach let me remember that there are so many others who can't afford such a thing and if their child comes what an impact it has in childhood itself among the children itself a kind of social ranking comes in we see that pecking order coming into place in the social fabric of a classroom where somebody feels that this boy is higher this boy is lower this girl is higher this girl is lower so it involves a lot of wisdom and sacrifice from the parents also they should realize that when i love my child an actual and true expression of this love is to make the child realize these values of life so that is why irrespective if we see in the ramayana and if we see in the ancient days as such irrespective of the social position all were kept equal it becomes easier in the hostels but you see even in the hostels if you remember prem during the vacation the warden would speak to the parent saying that you know this is what we have done in the hostel please ensure that you continue the same during the vacation you know morning we get up at 5 it is definitely tough to do suprabhatam at 5 okay but in the hostel it is made it's ensured that you get up at 5 that your tv viewing is restricted to only 
only this much time you go home in the vacation you know the parents say oh you know this child has been deprived so much so enjoy get up at 8 in the morning see tv the whole day and it's gone if this happens during the summer vacations when it comes to the hostel when it comes to day scholar it's almost the other way because you see so many times the teachers request the parents saying that this is what we are doing in the class this is what we are doing here but we need cooperation from you that is what all the parent teacher meetings are all about so the ramayana when we see it also gives us subtly a very very powerful reminder that as parents we have a huge responsibility and it involves making sacrifices for the good of the child just as dasharatha did you know though he had everything at his back end called though he could provide everything to rama lakshmana bharata and shatrugna he didn't provide anything extra and rama lakshmana bharata and shatrugna led as frugal a life as say the son of a potter the son of a, anybody else in the ashram and all were equal and that is a very very important thing for us to keep in mind in fact this is a much larger discussion itself you know just a couple of weeks back i read an article which was bemoaning the fate of the public education system in the mm. country and which is the major cause for you know the level of education itself to have come down mm. so they were saying just about maybe 30 40 years ago in the 50s 60s maybe in the time when our parents were in school and our grandparents it was almost ensured that the public schools would have the best teachers the government schools the government yes. schools you know even when i was a kid when i was talking to my grandfather they would always have those teachers who were ideals they would say that you know this teacher i still remember he used to teach us maths he was an ideal teacher you know with the commercialization of education you have these big players coming in and then there is a the need for attracting all these teachers into those schools and you're not only attracting good teachers into those schools but the schools which have different cultures you know today if a man is earning 3 or 4 lakhs per month he is definitely not going to put his son or daughter in a school which does not have air conditioned rooms hmm. which does not have those luxuries which kind of uh, you know distract you from the very purpose of education but that was not the case in those days when you know the best school you could put your son or daughter in was a public school was a government school where you would have very simple but sincere teachers hmm. you know this commercialization of education is i don't know how you know we are going to be able to set it right one of the beautiful models which swami has given us is the university itself the schools and colleges which swami has started but you know how it's going to be taken up and it's very difficult you know, looking at it that is why i say you know it's after all the drops of water that make the ocean yes you know it seems like a humongous task because if we see in every way the world seems to be messed around not only in the education sector if we see the financial sector the economic sector the value sector i mean anything you see everywhere it looks messed up and you don't know where to begin it's best to begin with one's own individual self you know because as you said a person just because he has the affluence and wealth he wants the best for the child he is wrongly thinking that his love for the child is expressed this way for example dasharatha could have just told vashishta you just leave all those guys you come here whatever you are going to get from all that i will give you you just come be in the palace stay in the palace for 15 years he could have you know in quotes homeschooled his <laughs> four sons but no there is a reason why the children have to be sent and they have to learn to fend for themselves and live for themselves because you know in a hostel for example you say it's a mini society there you know in this mini society if you fail to cope what is the punishment or problem that you get a reprimand from a teacher that you get scolded and you get punished or you suffer a kind of stigma in your own room or among your classmates but then we forget that it acts as a kind of a simulator for real life in the society because the same mistakes you know you, you go and steal some extra food you get punished you go and steal outside you get jailed so that's why the hostel acts as a beautiful simulator where you can learn in the hostel you 
learn yes everything is not fair yes sometimes some people seem to be getting away with what they do and some people though being good they seem to be getting punished but that's how the real world is outside right so it's a beautiful simulator where everybody is put on par and you learn and then you are so much well prepared to come out into society and face the society at large outside so lot of lot of lessons to learn from this gurukula system of education that the four brothers underwent under vashishta one more aspect that we are forgetting is the greatness of vashishta right you know vashishta there is nothing that he lacked in life because in the ultimate sense he is a god realized person he has no need of anything just like krishna says in the bhagavad gita i have no duties to perform in the world and yet yet i do actions as if i am duty bound same could be said about vashishta what a glorious teacher and if we see the olden times the ramayana times this times of lord krishna the greatest people the god realized people what did they choose they chose the teaching profession because it is something that requires maximum effort maximum kind of investment because that is the future you are growing the problem again we see nowadays is nobody seems to invest i am putting the word invest in quotes because invest doesn't mean money investment the investment of values the investment of the kind of people into education that we need because apparently it doesn't seem to pay when you invest in education you see the result after 40 years right when that person is now heading a company and he says this is how it is and people marvel and say you are so ideal you are so wonderful you have put us on right track how is it and he says my teachers taught me this in school vis-a-vis somewhere else you invest you get immediate results so it requires a lot of foresight a lot of deep thought to be able to invest in such a manner and in those days the greatest people the most phenomenal and by greatest i mean in terms of spiritual attainment who have achieved everything and have no need from the world at all even such people came and actively involved themselves in this system of education that is another lesson that all of us should learn in fact the beautiful thing is we uh, often talk of bringing that ancient system into a modern context that is what swami has beautifully done in fact he has never spoken about it and said that this is what has been done if you look at it we have spoken many times of the caste system which was there and how mm-hmm. it got corrupted and it was rightfully had to go but initially you know you had this brahmins which was supposed to be the highest caste but the duty of any person in the society was to do dharma to a brahmin was to do charity to a brahmin you know you are having the highest class if it is really charity which is important they should have told you do charity to the poor who is the lowest caste hmm. but it is said that you have to do charity to a brahmin if you look at it you know a brahmin works not for the remuneration he gets a brahmin is supposed to be one who is supposed to be sustained by the society but he is supposed to do his work he is supposed to sustain the society right so he is supposed to do his prayer meditation and all those things related to that but he will be sustained by the society so his work is not directly proportional to what he gets hmm. so to such a class of people if you do charity they will work more but if you look at the lower class they earn for the day but if you go and give them money they will say that okay if i can get so much money then i can work this much less hmm. so it is said that your charity should propagate more work should lead that person to be more active that is why it is said that you have to give money to a brahmin because the brahmin when he is well sustained he'll work more mm. and then if you look at it what were the portfolios the brahmins handled in those days in the kingdoms like you know vasishta one definitely is education one is education the other is medicine because yes. the whole yes. ayurveda was being handled by these brahmin class so what did swami do swami said i will give free education and medicine will be free wow so the essence of that was brought in in a modern context by swami hmm 
because he's saying that education should not be commercialized because when you sustain an education model it should sustain the society it should not be based on how much money you give how much work you do and you know prem i'm just getting goosebumps here you know because that's exactly what has happened when i think of my own life whenever anything we speak i think of it in terms of my life because that is what i think i have complete mastery on right. on my own life and my experiences when i think on one of the most motivating reasons why i wanted to stay back here is because i felt oh my god swami has done so much for me let me do something as you rightly said the charity that swami did for me it is really in monetary terms it's a big charity prem it's worth about 8 to 9 lakhs my education because i didn't pay a pi for my bachelor's for my masters for my mba degree i didn't pay a pi and i know my sister did an mba from a b graded university okay ours is a plus plus a b graded university and her fees for 2 years only fees was something like nearly 3 lakhs Mm-hmm. So I know that my whole education is worth about eight to nine lakhs, and it was given to me. It was just handed to me on a platter. And when I asked, literally, when all of us asked, "What do you want?" Now you have given us so much. What do you want? He says, "No, no, no. Just get a good name for yourself, which will get a good name for the university. That's all. That is all. Is the payment that is asked for? You know, it charges you so much. It makes you get tears in your eyes, thinking, "Oh my God, what a sacrifice! How much is being given? I must definitely do something. It inspires. It inspires you to." work more even at the cost of getting a lesser salary or no remuneration because it's almost like imagine if i had not done this i would have had a 10 lakh rupee loan on my head and you know in some countries for example recently when i heard professor gv sir speak to educationists in new delhi mm-hmm. he was speaking about how in the united states of america the moment a student passes out of university he or she cannot think about a wedded life or a married life or anything like that till they turn 40 or 41 unless they have a huge you know parental okay. backing in terms of finances the reason he says is because they have taken an education loan and it requires you to work for so many years to pay it back because you do not want to get into a commitment and a relationship unless you are financially independent and of course that brings in the other evils of credit cards and such things leaving that aside so unless you are 40 41 you don't think of marriage and after you are 41 42 you even if you get a child and hoping that your marriage doesn't break if you are there by the time you retire from work your child is about 16 or 17 only and now your child has to go to college you are in no position to finance your child the child has to take another loan now this loan becomes even bigger because you had got 20% from your father or mother and the rest was a loan now this is 100% loan which means this child until it becomes 44 or 45 is not going to think of a child which will put a greater burden on that person's child Next you know right. it's a kind of building up pressure it goes on and such a thing it is and when i think of that you know i finish my education i walk out mid my degree i am literally a free man i have no debts to repay i am nothing you know just thinking of that forget the spiritual aspect forget the emotional support that swami has given me surely from a materialistic point of view itself as i walk out with my degree in hand i have tears of gratitude because prem i am a free man i am a free man and whatever i start earning from day 1 is mine and that is when i suddenly realize no it's not mine he has not given me a loan or anything but even then he has given me so much when somebody has given me so much i should and i feel that is what will happen if we are able to make education free you know because as you said that is something that will inspire us to do more and give back more rather than the other things which will make you feel that this is free so let me do less work anyway it is coming beautiful beautiful concept very, and very, beautiful lesson to learn very true uh, no there was this gig which caught on in mcdonalds i think mm. the way you pay ahead there was one man who bought his meal and paid for the meal for the person behind him mm. and you know the surprise is the person goes up to the counter and the 
lady in the counter says that your meal has already been paid for. Wow. So it started like a chain where each one pays for the person behind them. Mm. So each one was paying, but was paying for the person who's behind them, who's going to take the food after them. So it said that it became such a huge hit that it started in so many stores all across the world where each one is not paying for themselves, but paying for the person who's going to come after them. In a sense, that is what Swami has started in such a huge level. You know, Swami is given for our education, but spontaneous for us to think that, you know, I should be able to give for somebody else. One of my classmates once said that, you know, he had a problem where he couldn't manage the mess fees. For some reason, his father was in a bit of a problem in that particular uh, semester. So one of the teachers who studied in Swami's college and who became a teacher and was staying in the hostel, very quietly called him aside and he said, uh, I just saw your name on the list for people who have not yet paid the fees. So he said, will you permit me to pay your fees for this time? Hmm. So this boy was... Uh, just to clarify for our listeners, this is the mess fees. Right, mess fees, not, the, the, education not fees. the education fees. You know, that's a very, very meager amount given the you know, life I think when I was in MSc, it was something like 7,000 rupees, which is about $120 per, per year. year for the food and electricity and water that and I consumed during the whole year. Which is like very, very nominal to uh-huh. you know put it uh, honestly. So this teacher said that, you know, will you permit me to pay for you? And that's how he put it. But this boy was nevertheless embarrassed. He said, no, sir, I've already spoken to my father. Uh, he will send me the money. So this teacher said, see, you don't have to feel bad about it. Whatever I am today is because what Swami has given me. I cannot go and pay back Swami, but I can pay for somebody who needs and that is what Swami expects. In a real sense, this what happened in Starbucks or in McDonald's, the pay behind mm. has happened in such a huge level through Swami's education and medical mission. Because, you know, when we have done documentaries, how many people we've heard, they come in and they get free treatment in the hospital and when they realize that there is no way they can pay back, they say, okay, let me give up a bad habit. Let me come back and become a sevadal here. And that is a chain which Swami has started. The chain of goodness. Right. Hope <laughs> Again, we move. Where is Ramayana in all this? (laughs) (laughs) There is Ramayana in all this, Prem. This is what is Ramaraja, you know. This is what is the glorious ideal kingdom that anybody envisions that it would happen where each one lives for the other and everyone lives for God. So, we will go into the Ramakatha Rasavahini proper after this little break. Thank you, dear listeners. I hope you enjoy and don't mind these digressions. Let us confess that, frankly, these are not planned at all. It's just the inspiration that Swami is sitting in the heart and sending out and it comes out with our words. We just hope that we have been hollow empty flutes and we don't pollute his inspiration with our own thoughts and ideas. This is just his inspiration. After the break, we will continue with Rama's story at the point when Dasharatha comes to take back the princes after their education is complete. Rama Jayam, Raghu Rama Jayam, Raghama Ramula Pemamayam. Ram 
ಜಯಂ ಹರಿ ರಾಮ ಜಯಂ ರಾಘವ ಜಾನಮೆ ಪ್ರೇಮಮಯ ರಘುರಾಮ ಜಯ ರಾಘವ ಜಾನಮಿ ಪ್ರೇಮಯ ರವಿಕುಲ ದಶರಥ ಸುತ ಮುತಮಿ ರವಿಕುಲ ದಶರಥ ರಘುರಾಮ ಜಯ ರಾಘವ ಜಾನಮಿ ಪ್ರೇಮಯ ರಾಮ ಸೀತಾಪತಿ ರಾಘವ ಮಂತ್ರ ರಾಮ ಸೀತಾಪತಿ ರಾಮ ಸಿಗುಣಗಣ ಸೇವ ನಿರಂತ್ರ ಶರತ ಸುತ ಮುತ ಪಿತ್ರಂ ನಾಮ ಬಿಕಾಸ್ 
in case imagine a vegeta wants to complain something it might be uncomfortable to do it in the presence right so on their own they walk out and dasharatha and vashishta can't help but marvel at the wisdom that is embodied in that little frame of rama at this time rama is something like 10 or 11 year old that's all the brothers are all 10 to 9 10 11 year old children and yet they already have this decorum and decency built in and both father and preceptor are very pleased with this behavior that's a beautiful uh, thing in this you know whether it was going and prostrating to dasharatha or as you said walking out of the room and the elders were discussing the first move was always ramas you know rama goes and does it and the others just follow it mm. and we talk of them as exemplary in their uh, behavior but in essence the other brothers did not do anything which showed their behavior they just followed what rama did correct you know a beautiful message where what you have to do is follow that divinity within you follow the master follow the master and you know whatever has to fall in place will fall in place and whatever was the decision which was being made or the discipline which was being displayed was displayed by rama and just by following whatever he was doing all the others were also getting that good name and that the uh, exemplary uh, status the recognition from the master and uh, beautiful uh, message just even if you don't understand just follow follow the master follow god and automatically your behavior becomes ideal your way of life becomes dharmic you know talking about rama just moving out when the conversations happening i remember sometime back uh, in a, a write up about personality development mm-hmm. you were saying one of the keys to a gentlemanly behavior just control your curiosity <laughs> he said that desire to know what others are talking he said that is the thing which will pull you down and make you look so gross in front of others he said so if you can control your curiosity you will automatically become a gentleman <laughs> if we actually look into our own lives prem it is so so ingrained right if we hear two people talking something right you know that we want to listen desire to eavesdrop is so and especially compelling. if it's about you right there is no way you may go behind a wall hide and then listen because we are so interested in knowing what the world thinks about us right i think we should concentrate more on what we truly are and that the lord knows so i I think our focus should be on what the lord thinks about us forget what the world is thinking because that is bound to change to good today bad tomorrow bad today good tomorrow but what we are is what we should focus on and that is what god thinks about us that is what swami is portraying here in in every little description of the behavior of these princes that's what swami is saying that dignity with which they carry themselves you know that is so overflowing in all the description that swami gives the way they behaved in the ashram the way they behaved in the presence of their father in the presence of the master and then swami is breaking it down to what did they actually do so if you really want to have a dignified being or demeanor about yourself these are the things you have to do respect where it's required and you know get yourself out of the picture where it's required in the way you have to carry yourself every moment so vashishta then continues to tell dasharatha after praising all the pupils he says oh king i don't think there's anything left that i can teach them they've learned everything it's time for them to now you know learn the other martial arts archery and Meant other things for the prince yes the teenage years should be spent in that because education wise i think it's complete and they are ready you can take them home i'm very pleased i have no complaints i have only good words and wonderful words to offer about them because that is how they have been for the last 5 6 years and he heaps so much praises on them immediately dasharatha sends word for sumantra who is there and he tells them rush back to the palace tell the queens that the children are coming home 
you know we were speaking about this concept of how the kings would sustain the brahmins or the gurus how society would sustain them he tells them to get things for guru dakshina right. which the princes will offer to their guru so you see there's nothing like a compulsory fee seeing the children you know it's all result based seeing your children being so perfect being so wonderful the parents naturally feel so happy and in their joy they offer via the children to the guru as guru dakshina and since it is in their joy that they offer you know there's nothing like a fixed amount it's not as if you pay 150 gold coins per year <laughs> per student per semester per credit <laughs> <laughs> per credit yeah so the king offers more and uh, the poor pauper offers less but it's all like a family you know when you're in a family you'll have one son earning more maybe one son earning less but overall for the family expenses those who earn more put in more those who earn less put in less but the family lives happily i mean i'm talking of the days of a joint family i don't know if two brothers live together anymore but when it is a joint family that is what happened that here was a live depiction a perfect portrayal of the whole kingdom being one family where everyone puts in to their best ability for the welfare of others and so dashratha sends word to sumantra and the queens along with the guru dakshina in the chariots they rush towards the hermitage to receive their children you were talking about uh, receiving so much from swami and the desire to express our gratitude you cannot give back anything you know, it's a very interesting thing swami never expected gratitude from us hmm. swami would whenever anybody would say thank you swami would very uh, jocularly hmm. say not mention or do not mention or something like that because <laughs> he really meant it because he never wanted gratitude from us but at the same time swami always spoke about gratitude also hmm. swami said you don't have gratitude to god a person picks up a handkerchief and gives it to you you say thank you god has given you so much you don't have gratitude in a essence swami is saying that god does not require your gratitude but have gratitude because gratitude is a good value to have it's a good and thing for you good thing for you and that is what i think even these perfected masters like vasishtha and all did they did not need that guru dakshina which the disciples brought but it is good for that disciple to want to give back something to the guru who has given them so much beautiful point beautiful point prem and that is what exactly happened the queens arrive and they have brought the guru dakshina and the pupils rama and his three brothers they offer the guru dakshina to vasishtha and they fall at the feet of the preceptor take his blessings for the life ahead and you know the beautiful relationship that exists between the teacher and student swami says that the mother points out the father to the child and the father points out to the guru to the child and the guru finally points out god to the child right it invariably means that for every child the most important people in the life are the mother the father the preceptor and god and it's almost as if swami is telling us that if you give prime importance to these four mother father teacher and god your life is done at least to these four you have to pay your gratitude so when we look at the life of rama such was his behavior such was his exemplary nature that vashishta when he embraced the four princes he had tears in his eyes he knew that he was going to miss them such had been the bond you know you cannot say that it is like between a father and a son because it is like between a teacher and the disciple the teacher and the pupil because that's a unique relationship in itself and today when we look at the alumni from the university if you ask me again i'm going back to my personal definitely i think of about two three teachers from school and from the institute who have had such a profound impact on my life and i don't think throughout my life i'm ever going to forget them because i shall always remember and i they'll always be my heroes and i shall always wish that i can be like them and that is a special relationship which i cannot compare with anything i cannot say that they're like a father to me no they're like a brother to me no they're a teacher to me and it's a unique relationship in itself and that was a beautiful relationship that existed between the four brothers and vashishta also 
very beautifully put up and and you know it's very interesting in that sense in the later years in 2009 and later you've seen swami becoming emotional when his mother was mentioned or when even somebody would speak about swami's love you mm. could see swami becoming emotional and that would be something which was very difficult for us to accept because this is the swami who was so detached who was so in the world but definitely out of it swami was becoming so emotional and you talk of vasishta he shedding tears when these four princes leaving his ashram and going away that's what you think of because in the initial we played a discourse where swami says vasishta was one who was always immersed in that self mm. but when he came to know that he could be near the descent when god comes down he wants to be near he comes and that a realized soul still giving into that emotion of separation of missing you know rama and the brothers that's very interesting indeed in fact swami writes in the ramkatha rasavahini that once the princes leave vasishta realizes that he has got so attached to the beautiful bewitching captivating form of the lord and we will be able to associate with it so much because when that form is no longer there he is unable to bear the agony and that is when you know the great vashishta himself has to go into meditation and contemplate on the reality of rama he realizes that rama lakshmana bharata and chatugrana are actually the embodiments of dharma artha kama and moksha the four purusharthas who have arrived to show the way to mankind and it is only when he is able to contemplate on the reality of rama that the sorrow in his heart quells he feels at ease he is back to his serene peaceful atmic joy self and again that is another message for all of us because all of us feel the pangs of separation from that beautiful form of swami the only way to overcome that grief that we feel when we think we are missing the form beautiful form of swami is to contemplate on the reality that swami is contemplate on who swami is that is when we will find our sorrows receding and we being filled again with that atmic joy so very true because many times we say that you know swami left Swami has become the ethereal one. Swami form has to become, formless. You know, become the formless one. The fact is, Swami was always that. Swami never was for a moment not that in you know, a beginningless, endless, absolute. It was just that we could see him only in that form. So, in that sense, you know, Vasishta missing Rama and uh, all that. It's not because the divinity was of Rama was diminished. It is just that for a moment he found that boy who was in front of him, his student, was the boy who was giving him joy. So he had to remove himself from that idea and say that no, no, I am already. in possession of that absolute it's almost like we going to you know virtual reality when you go into virtual reality you know it is false you know it's entirely false yet with the knowledge that it is false we go there because we want to enjoy it just have fun and when we come out of it yes we miss it but that is when we have to contemplate on hey that is virtual reality that's not reality and then we miss it no longer but if we are not able to contemplate on its reality that is when we become addicts you know and addiction is bad that is what happens so in that sense we have all got addicted to swami's form so de addiction will happen only when we are able to contemplate on his which is nothing but our own reality and that is another subtle yet profound message that comes from this episode i am reminded of a brother's experience you know because because when we speak of our attachment to swami it it happens so deeply that we do not realize later it becomes an impediment we had in one satsang mentioned about how for ramakrishna it was the beautiful form of mother kali how that form itself became an impediment for him right in overcoming and how he had to cut so to you know to this brother this incident is so profound and pregnant in its message this brother had the chance of serving swami at his residence and it was sometime i think in 2003 because swami had just had the fall and uh, he was finding it little difficult to walk without assistance and uh, 
the doctors were saying that he will recover soon and they had done something so one night you know this brother noticed that swami was trying to call out to another brother who mm-hmm. was also there in swami's room and uh, he assumed that this was because swami wanted assistance to go to the bathroom maybe so it was the middle of the night and since swami is calling out the other brother's name he did not deem it fit for him to get up and tell swami i am ready but swami called out very softly once or twice you know later on we will understand that all this is part of the master plan swami was calling out so softly that the other brother who was little far away apparently was not hearing it and he was still asleep so this brother thought you know let me get up let me go and wake him up i will not look at swami at all i will just go wake him up and come back and lie down again so that swami need not you know call out two three times to him at the same time it is not as if i am getting up and helping Swami when I am not been called. So he got up to go and wake up the other brother when Swami looked at him and said, hey stop, don't wake him up. And Swami said, you come here. This brother went to Swami and Swami said, sit down. So as is his practice, he sat at Swami's feet and he began to press. Swami said, no, sit up here on my bed. He said, no Swami, I am fine over here. Swami said, no, you sit up here. And he sat beside Swami on Swami's bed okay. and then Swami asked him, tell me what will happen to you if I am gone? This was like a bolt from the blue for him. I mean, what was the need for such a question and he just you know in his mind he felt that swami has just had his operation now and you know the physical pain might take you in a in quotes a kind of a low you know the physical pain can make you feel low little bit so he said swami the doctors are saying that within a few days swami will start walking fast and even start running so don't speak like this swami then swami smiled and said no no you just answer what i'm asking what will you do what will happen to you if swami is gone then this brother realized that swami was very serious he realized the gravity of the question and he said swami if you are gone i won't be able to stay i also will be gone swami and then swami smiled and said i know i know and i will prepare you before i go so don't worry no go to bed that's all was this interaction and uh, that is an entire subject later on as to all that this brother underwent after that day you know it is very very difficult very terrible and doesn't seem to make sense unless you know this episode and for the whole world it seemed such a terrible thing happening to this brother but for this brother he did not feel anything because he knows he knows and somewhere in his heart he knows that this is all the preparation that is happening for something and recently when i happened to meet him he said that you know swami really prepared me because if otherwise if 24th april had happened really i would have dropped dead i would have gone and i am sure that swami has some reason why he wants me alive and it's with gratitude i can say that swami has prepared me so that i can take this and when i asked him what is it what is it that happened he had actually been kept away from all this you know from prashant nilayam itself mm-hmm. and he says all the while whenever thought would come i would keep remembering who who is swami you know i might have walked with him talked with him dined with him touched his hand pressed his feet cracked jokes everything but let me not forget who swami is and you know when you hear to that experience you realize how important it is to contemplate on swami's reality which is nothing but our own reality because swami says prema swarupalara divyatma swarupalara and that is the only way we will be able to overcome this pang of separation and this attachment that we have i just thought that very true i think that's exactly what vasishtha would have done at that moment you know when rama and the brothers left he goes back into meditation to realize that you know yes i enjoyed their presence as little boys in my ashram as my students but their reality because of which i have left you know my peaceful life in the forest and come and set up a ashram here near a you know, kingdom and serving as a teacher is because of that reality what they were to remind yourself of that is what will let you realize that you can 
can never be removed from that presence or you can be away from that presence you know it's not as if i do it every time but i have done it on quite some occasions and i'm telling you it is so powerful you can use it like a talisman a mantra you know any time anything happens to you where you feel that oh god something unfair is happening or something terrible is happening in my life why is this happening close your eyes and realize that you are in the bosom of swami you are the dear child of swami and swami is holding you close to his bosom and then think of who swami is you can never gauge or understand who he really is but once you start picking at the little bits of his grandeur you will then realize that will such a supreme loving lord will such a powerful lord allow something like this to happen you know swami who has said that anybody can criticize me anybody can condemn me you know but if they touch a hair on my devotee's head they will not be spared you know such a kind of protective lord such a kind of if i can say possessive lord such a kind of loving lord if he is a loving such a thing to happen to me is it not that it is for my good and even as we contemplate on that in this manner our tensions and worries will start just fading away because you realize that it is just part of a master plan and a master plan of a master who is the supreme atmic reality i wish that i can incorporate this what i am speaking i hope that i will be the first listener and incorporate it more and more in life because that way you are able to remain stable and calm in spite of anything that is happening to you right so i think going forward in that story what vasishta gave in his ashram was the knowledge of the scriptures and that's what swami says in angatha swami but now they had to go to that next level where they get equipped as kshatriyas as the rulers and the protectors of that country of that land and that is the next phase of their learning where dashrata invites the best of archers and the best of people in the handling of arms and entrusts the prince in their care so that they learn these from them and that's when the next phase of their education starts as it happened in the case with vashishta these people are surprised because rama seems to be having great mastery over the bow and arrow and he knows techniques advanced techniques which even the master archers are unaware of it becomes more like a learning experience for the master archers from rama rather than rama learning from the master archers and uh, i think after this one particular thing which swami mentions in this phase when they going out to learn the art of archery swami says that one common thing in all those brothers is that they all refuse to take live targets you know that is one mm-hmm. thing which we always read about the kings one of their favorite pastimes is to go out hunting to go out in search of uh, game but this is one thing which rama refuses to do he says that i will not shoot at an innocent bird or an animal though he well can you know it is not that he cannot shoot a moving object he cannot shoot a live uh, entity but he is saying that why should we harm something which has not harmed us the beautiful thing in this is you know rama is able to keep his focus on the purpose of archery not only rama the other brothers also tell teachers that you know we are learning archery to to protect and safeguard this is something that is taught even in martial arts you know when you are learning you are taught that this is for defense it is not for offense and the greatest masters say that it is most important to imbibe the principle before you actually learn the technique because it is the principle that makes you responsible enough to be able to to wield that power and technique and so while there is a temptation you know to show off your archery what greater than to show off and shoot say probably the eye of a moving bird wow what an archer but no the principle of archery is for is for protection of the subjects protection of life how can a vidya how can an education how can a skill a knowledge that has been taught to you for the protection of life be used for taking of life and it is so beautiful that rama reminds the teachers themselves about the principle behind this education and this knowledge and that is why he never shoots live targets and always 
chooses to use it only for the protection of the people and then an interesting thing happens at this particular point in the story where dashratha says that yes you gain the knowledge of the literature of the scriptures you gain the knowledge of the defense archery and all those things which a prince requires this is only the worldly knowledge he says the prince should also have the spiritual knowledge and he says that can be obtained if they go on a pilgrimage and so he calls the minister the most loyal minister sumantra and he says that i want to send my sons on a pilgrimage it's i find this very very interesting he says swami puts it in words saying that they have obtained knowledge the paravidya they have to obtain even aparavidya mm-hmm. that which is the absolute knowledge the knowledge of the inner self i find this very interesting because you know yesterday we celebrated buddha purnima you look at it what did the father of buddha do and what is dashartha doing here shuddhodana shuddhodana he says that i have to protect my son from aparavidya you know that's what he does he says that i should make sure that my son does not come in contact with that knowledge of the self with the reality in with the, the reality you should not go into anything transcendental but here is dashratha saying that if they have to be good kings if they have to be people who will govern well they not only should have this knowledge but they should also have the knowledge of the higher self perfectly in line in consonance with what swami says about hands in society head in the forest right. it's almost like if your hands in society have to be good then your head has to be well entrenched in the forest you know another important thing that comes out from this is dasharatha wants his children to have a look at the reality in the kingdom because you know all said and done when you are in the hermitage with vashishta it is a different world altogether you are taught the scriptures no doubt but the way you are living there is like like an entirely different world when you are in the palace it's an entirely different world the reality is something else so if you have to sit in the palace and yet be sure that you are not cut off from the reality you have to experience the reality this is something that we see in the lives of many great people for example when mahatma gandhi returned to india after his education in south africa one of the first things he did before becoming part of the political struggle or before becoming a leader was to travel the length and breadth of the country you know how can you represent a country when you don't know what the country is about it is during this travel that he actually gave up he used to wear a coat and a nice dhoti he gave it up and he used to keep his upper body bare because he saw that more than 50% of people in india do not have a proper cloth to cover their upper body they just use one cloth as one and he began to use the same kind of cloth because if he is the leader of these people he has to be like the people he has to be of the people and then only he can be for the people that is what swami vivekananda did and that is why at the end of it he told that do not teach spirituality to a hungry man who feed him first because he realized that spirituality is not a problem in india the problem is about bare necessities they don't have food to eat you give them food and then they will be receptive to spirituality you know the wisdom that mahatma gandhi ji gained the wisdom that swami vivekananda gained was all through personal experience by traveling through the length and the breadth of the country and that is what dasharatha wanted his own sons also to imbibe and that is why he sent them on the pilgrimage and as swami writes during the pilgrimage they came across the social economic conditions everything that was going on there and they started feeling the need you know here we need to build a school here we need to build a medical facility here we need to provide water though they were not kings they already began to realize the responsibilities that they have to take up what are all the needs of their people and how much work they have to serve the needs of the people that is something beautiful that happened because of this act of dasharatha the princes benefited because they learned so much and the people also benefited because their princes learned about them 
I cannot help but think of the parallel of what happens during the Gram Seva. It's almost like this. You know, when the Gram Seva started, I used to think that this is for the benefit of the people. Right. It is only after going for the Gram Seva, I learned how much I have learned about the need that exists in the country and about how people are able to live such contented lives with having almost nothing compared to what I am having. It was a great lesson in contentment, in peace, a great lesson in sealing on desires, a great lesson in being happy. And towards the end of the Gram Seva, I felt that I have benefited more. It is the villagers who have served me. And ultimately, the villagers have benefited, the students have benefited and Swami is happy. So, I mean, just can't help but draw these no, parallels. Absolutely, exactly what Swami did. You know, when you first come, Swami says that you're going to get, get an MBA or an MTech. Hmm. We are thinking of what we can achieve with that MBA or an MTech or an MSc. Mm. You know, how much I can soar in the corporate world. But Swami says, I will give you that degree, but go and see this. Swami is giving us a sample of what 70 to 80 percent of this country is going through. And then Swami is saying, I give you this degree. Do what you would do. Mm. Sensitize the person who is receiving that benefit and saying that now you're given the benefit. Now what will you do with that benefit? And that is what, you know, Dashrata was doing. The best of education was given to them. The best of training in arms were given to them. And then they say that you go and see the land. See what the people need. So you've been empowered with a certain knowledge and now you're being given a sample of what people go through and now you're in a better position to know what to do with what you've been given. Exactly. And as we already discussed, your education has been in such a manner that you have got used to living in the most protected of environments. Protected of environments. Not only that, like the way they lived in the ashram, you're able to live in the most uh, meager of of environments because having gone through that, you realize what it is. You know, many times you may look at a poor person and you may offer him sympathy. But if you have gone through such a situation in your life, you are able to empathize with him and then compassion flows. You know, during the GV sir's talk in Delhi, it was so beautiful. He brought out the difference between sympathy, empathy and compassion. You know, okay. He said, what is the difference between sympathy, empathy and compassion? And I thought they are more or less synonymous. Mm-hmm. And then he says that you know, sympathy is when you look at somebody and when you feel you are at a higher position, they are at a lower position and you just, you feel sorry for them. That's it. Empathy is when you have experienced what they have experienced and therefore when you look at them, the feelings towards them come because you know what it means to be that. In sympathy, you don't know what it means. It's like I go to a mother who has lost her child and I say, you know, I know it's very tough. I have no idea what it means to lose a child. That is sympathy. Empathy is when one mother who has lost it speaks like that to the other mother. Now, when we go to compassion, compassion is something that is action. When empathy leads to action, it becomes compassion. And that is why we say Bhagwan is so compassionate because he not only feels what we are feeling, he not only understands what we are feeling, he also acts in order to alleviate that suffering, in order to alleviate that pain. And that is what happened in the case of the brothers also. They became compassionate because of all this. I am speaking of this in the worldly sense. Rama being Rama, I am sure with birth itself he was a compassionate one. But they became compassionate because of this and when their entire tour concluded, one could be sure that when they become the rulers, the kingdom is going to be prosperous, fantastic, beautiful and lovely because you don't have a sympathetic king. You don't have an empathetic king, but you have a compassionate king. And before we spoke about this pilgrimage, we spoke about the difference between the father of Buddha and Dashrata. Hmm. But there was a similarity between what happened to Buddha and what happened to Rama after this pilgrimage. But I think we'll go into that next week. We are almost near our ending time. Yes. So thank you, dear listeners, for being with us. And uh, it is always so wonderful, you know, when we just listen to a Ramayana, it is just that uh, maybe you could tell the whole Ramayana in 10 sentences. You know, there are verses like that. (laughs) But if you look at it, there is so much deep meaning 
happening in every turn of events in the whole story. That's the beauty of Ramkatha Raswaini because Swami highlights some of those little things which we might miss otherwise. And that's what makes it from Ramakatha Vahini to Ramakatha Rasavahini where we are able to juice out each incident and enjoy that nectar that is present in it and we are very grateful to Swami for having presented us that juice from his autobiographical account. We offer our salutations at his lotus feet and of course how can we forget our dear Hanuman who is always present wherever the Ramakatha is being sung, is being narrated, is being discussed. So we offer our salutations to him and seek inspiration to become like him where we live for God, we love God and our entire life is God and God alone. With that dear listeners, we hope you enjoyed this segment of Ramkatha Rasavahini. You can write to us what your thoughts, your feelings, your feedback at listener at radiosci.org and as Prem said, next week we shall go into a very less known phase that Rama went into which Swami has described with all the authenticity of the avatar. That is definitely going to be a very interesting and wonderful topic for discussion. So do tune in next week too for the afternoon satsang where we shall continue with the Ramkatara Savahini. As of now, we leave you with this song and our gratitude at the Lotus Feet. Thank you. Jai Sainam.
Sairam. You just heard an episode of our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This was a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12.30pm Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion was on the Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 15th May 2014. Dear listeners, we hope you like this program. As always, send us your feedback to listener at radiosai.org. Thank you and loving Sairam from Prashant Nilayam.